You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. That's a pretty good place uh, to extract yourself from. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, part of learning Gemara is is recognizing that there are minefields any way you go. And, um, you know, you've been in that battle and now we move on. So here we go on as as we see. Um, Devitu Derbi Yosef. So Devitu, as we know, is the term for a wife. Why this is the term for a wife seems to be obvious because you have the word bias, right? That's the main thing that a, uh, a woman provides. Uh, I mentioned uh, the other day uh, from Rabbi Sorobelsky. People have told me that it wasn't his original idea. Uh, maybe he thought of it, but the idea that a wife provides, that's the reason why the Kawa goes around the Chosen seven times because she is the uh, the Choma. She is the, the essential aspect of the house. So Devitu means his house, another way of saying his wife, Havis Ma'achra Umadalekas Ula. She would in, in a very she would be late, Havi Ma'achra Umadalekas Law. She was later, and that's the way she was lighting. So it seems now how late was she lighting? So this seems to be obviously about Friday night. This seems not to be about Hanukkah anymore. Uh, we're talking about lighting the uh, Shabbos. How late? How late can you light with it? Yeah. So it sounds. Yeah. So it sounds like she was clearly on the late side. And you're right, Sheila. Right away, we have to figure out: was she was she playing with? Was it after the sunset? Is that what was going on? But we'll see in a minute. Amar lo Rabbi Yosef. So Rabbi Yosef, the husband, sat there. <laughs> he he taught her a brisa. He didn't say, "What are you doing there?" He said, Rebetzin, I want to teach you something. Tanya, Abraisa says, Lo yomish amud anan yomam va'amud amud ha'esh alayla. So, the Abraisa starts with a, a drosha on the Pasek. And you can see the Pasek is right up here. Lo yomish amud anan yomam va'amud ha'esh alayla lifnei ha'am. So this, of course, is when the Jews left the triumph. So what they had was the um, the Amir Ha'anan stayed with them. Simple shot is it did not leave them the whole day. Yomish would mean to move or to to sort of um, uh, move away from. Um, it stayed there all day, and the Amud Ha'esh was there. Layla was there at night. Okay, so that seems to mean that they there was this changing of the guard. You had the the cloud that gave great weather and protection during the day, and then you had this amud ha'esh. Now, I guess people learned to sleep with it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I guess it didn't. You know, you're in your tent. You, you maybe wasn't so glaring, but it definitely. I guess it was a protection that you had this fire. I guess from other sorts of predators and other sorts of animals and things and human two-legged predators. So I guess that was one of the things that the Amur Ha'esh was important for. So it sounds like this is God sealing them and protecting them. But Chazal make a drasha here. Melamed Shamur Anan Mashlim Lamur Ha'esh. Lamur Ha'esh Mashlim Lamur Anan. Hmm. So this drasha is now telling us that 
and Rashi explains how we can see that. It says, again, let's read what it says first, and we'll see how we see it in the Pasuk. What this tells you is, is that the Amur Anan, which was the daytime cloud, was mashlim, sort of was there at the last part of the shift of the Amur Aish. So the Amur Aish was there during the night, but the Amur Anan would show up and sort of like end the shift, the nighttime shift of the Amur Aish. It was sort of like a, a combination together with the uh, Anan. The Anan would sort of finish and then start his major work, its major work, which was the daytime. And the Amur Aish would show up late in the even late in the afternoon and sort of help together with the Amur Anan finish the daytime job. Now, where do you see that in the Pusik? So it's a it's a great idea that these two were partners and they were there together. But where do we see that in the Pusik? So Rashi says, this Pusik is unnecessary, or at least it seems to be an extra phraseology. It already says that God walked in front of them uh, in the day. Okay. Um, so, again, I would have to take a look at the Pusik right before that. So, now when we look at the Pusik inside, as it says that um, the Jews began to travel out of Mitzrayim. So this is what Rashi means. The Amur Anan is already described in Pasuk 21, Pasuk Chafalif. God moved in front of them using the Amur Anan. That was the spirit of God, the sense of God there in that pillar of the cloud. And what did that cloud do? Providing a, because they were moving, so I guess the cloud, and we always think about the cloud offering protection and giving them 72 degrees perfect weather. The Lila, and during the night, it was Ba'amud Esh, L'choyer Lahem, to give them light. Now, I asked before about sleeping. It sounds like this, from this Pasuk, was L'leches. sounds like that fire at night was also to allow travel at night which I don't know if you ever get that sense of things that they were traveling at night, but that's what the Pasuk says, that this allowed travel at night. Maybe the light was dimmed, Sheila, if they didn't have to travel. You know, it was, the, the Amud there was there all the time, but unless they were traveling, it was sort of like on a dimmer switch. And then when they needed to move, where they had to see a lot more, the light became brighter enough to give them like, you know, a real uh, display of lights that could let them move. That would be the simple shot here. But the point is, Yomam Veloila. And then this next Palsik, Lo Yomish Hamuranan, Yomam Mudaish Lailof Nehaam. So I guess the Pshad is is that it was always that way. But Rashi is saying that it could have just said Lo Yomish in this Palsik. Because it could have just said and that that was the way it always was. Hashem Holochlif Nehem and it was Vikachoya Lolam Vod or something like that. The fact that the Pusik repeats that this always happened. So if we look at the Pasuk now, we have Amud Anan, Yomam, well, Yomish Amud Anan, meaning Yomam. 
meaning it was there at night as well. In other words, it didn't move away even though it was night. You see the way the new drasha is, Sheila? In other words, this is, it could have just put lo yomish as a, a period over here. And that would have said it never, it always stayed that way for the whole 40 years in the desert. Despite the fact that this Pesach is describing the, the cause for leaving uh, Mitzrayim in the beginning. But then we have this repetition about the Amur Anan. And the repetition is telling us, according to the Drash, that this Amur Anan didn't leave, even though it was Elilah. And, and, right, in other words, this Amur Anan stayed there, even though it was night, which is not its time, but it was there during the night as well, not the whole night, because that would that, that would go completely against what the Pasuk before is saying. It must mean that it didn't just say, oh, it's night, uh, I got to leave. Right? It didn't just say it's night and uh, I'm, I'm not here. So I was saying the Amur Anan actually served the purpose of in the day and in the night, and at night it was illumination? No, it just Okay, that is, that's a big question. I don't. That's a bigger question, which I don't have an answer right yet. Right now, what did it do? Why was it necessary to be there? We'll talk about that in a minute. But the trash is there that the Amudanan isn't just okay. As soon as it's daytime, that's when you have the Amudanan, and now it disappears. Lo Yomish tells us that it never moved, and it was there even every single night. You knew the Amudanan had some aspect that was there during the night. Now, similarly, the Amudaish was also yomam. Lo yomush amudanan va yomam. So the word yomam is now connected to amudaish. That's also yomush amudaish. So the aish was there also during the day. During the day. And, mm-hmm. and, and therefore, this is where the drasha comes from. So this is the, the b'risa. Let's now go to the, the what Rabbi Yosef's b'risa. That was the, now we understand where the, the, why it's what Rashi means when he says kroh yaseira. So, what, but instead of just saying it hung around, it was mashlim. So now here, let's see what Rashi says. Amudanon shoyo mashlim oro lamud ha'esh. Shoyo amuda ha'esh bo kodem sheyishka hamud anan. So what you see is, is that how was the Amud? Now the Rashi actually tells you the other way that the, the Rashi is actually referring to the Amud Aish being Mashlim the Anan, right? So the Amud Anan Shoyam Mashlim Oro Lamud Haish. Hey, Rashi said it the other way. The Mashlim is that that since you're here already, I'm sort of helping you finish your job because Aish is here early. So I am in a way being mashalim you because you're here anyway and now me and you are together. Also interesting from Rashi, Rashi says that the Amud Anan had light, right? The Amud Anan was also a source of light because it says Amud Anan Shoyo Mashlim Oro. So it sounds like there was light that permeated from the Amud Anan as well. And that Join the Amuda Esh, because the Amuda Esh is there early, starting its fire up already. And now you have this moment where they meld together, 
So in a way, the Amura Na'an has added its, added its, because it's at the end of its shift, has added its power to the Amur Ha'esh, which has started early. So obviously this is um, a subtle hint to the misses to light while it's still day. That's right. So in other words, which, so first what he says, Alma Orach Arabahachi. So when you know you've got a job to have light at night, follow the path of the Amuda Ha'esh in the Midbar. And I, again, you would have probably said it a little bit deeper or more uh, suggestive. You might have said that when a woman lights or when anyone lights those neros at, at their house, what they're doing is is replicating the 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 the, the miracle of the Amuda Ish, right? It's it's sort of like the fire yeah. that was there every night. We don't do that every night because. God, the Chazal, did not demand this expensive mitzvah to be done. But on Shabbos, despite the fact that, you know, we're not in the Midbar anymore, we remember life in the Midbar. And having, the, you know, having this is a, a representation of what the Midbar life was like. And that's a new uh, understanding, if I'm correct, that's a new understanding of, of, the, of the idea of Hadalakas Neiros. Um, it, it, it creates that sense of shalom, yes, and that was the shalom that they had every single night in the midbar, which normal families didn't have. I mean, normal families didn't have that because they didn't have the the wherewithal to to have fuel to right. to, to keep light on. So the klal had, and so the two really are going together. Even the shalom bias part and the idea of of the of the representing the remis of the Midbar are really the same idea. Maybe having that dimmer light and having that light on also created a Shalom bias because it was evening and maybe people wanted a snack. Oh, Baruch Hashem, we got a little bit of light there. Again, the Pasuk says Leleches, but maybe Leleches doesn't mean to travel, but it means to be able not to be considered like they were in Mitzrayim, that they were... To go about your business. Yes, so this way there could... And, and we know people do go about business at night. Okay, they're getting ready. They're, they're about to watch Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is they're doing, but there is something that's happening. And having that light there is a way that you aren't stumbling and bumping into people. And that's something mm-hmm. that's... And that, and that way, it's sort of like the prototype of the Shabbos Licht. So mm-hmm. again, Rashi doesn't say that. I, I'm saying that, but Rashi just saying, "Hey, when you need when you need a light to be there at night, be there early." And that's mm-hmm. what he was telling his wife. Look, this is supposed to be for night. Learn a lesson from the Amud, uh, like the lesson of the Amud Haish. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what did she do when she heard that? Savra la So what did she want to do? She wanted to light. Okay, I'll have those lights real early. It's interesting that Rabbi Yosef didn't say anything to her, right? Somehow now some Saba is talking to her. Some uh, older Talmud Chacham. And Ann, you have to take a look. You, you, you're familiar enough with Shas, Sheila, to have seen this type of phrase. And again, how many times it comes up in Shas, you have to yeah. remember it. Who is that? Hahu Saba? Is it Elio Anovi? Is it Hahu Saba? Um, it could be just some old gentleman that know that knew halacha. Um, why it wasn't her husband is interesting, but let's see. What did he say to her? He said, "Tanina." 
So we have another brisa. In other words, I want to add to your husband's brisa about hadlokas neiros. So, yes, it should be early. That makes sense. But it shouldn't be too early. Why, Rashi says, Because if it's too early, no one thinks that's for Shabbos. What do they think it's there for? I don't know. Maybe it happens to be a little bit of a dark day and Friday afternoon in your kitchen. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's too early, no one really connects it to the to Shabbos evening. So, right. so what's the zman? What's the zman? Oh, so this is this is this is the question of the eighteen minutes, and this is where we mm-hmm. get into what we saw the other day from the Ramban, uh, mm-hmm. the Gemara, a little bit later about when you're supposed to be madlik. That that's it's clearly as the day is is waning, and here you're seeing that it should not be too late mm-hmm. either. Um, Again, one Rashi. I've never. Again, I never paid attention to this Rashi before. I told you I've worked with Kamar many times. But look at this Rashi Tanina Shona Ani, mm-hmm. which is interesting. You know, in other words, like I happen to teach this. Uh, was that something Rabbi Yosef wasn't aware of? This is like an interesting. Usually, Tanina is a is a brisa that was sort of like circulating, um, and Rashi is saying this Tanina is Shona Ani. Which, which, which is, is it only that Saba wedding? Obviously, Rabbi Yosef wasn't so happy that uh, Rabbi Yosef would have been okay with her lighting even earlier. Um, Maybe better than later. Right, but it's funny that the Saba like gets involved. Like, you know, okay, stay out of it. You yeah. know, it's showing bias. I mean, the guy, you know, the. So the is husband. it her father? I mean, like, who else would? You're saying maybe it's her. Maybe maybe it's Rabbi like Yosef's dad. The, <laughs> yeah, or like like their you know live-in person there because who else would know? Yeah, it's 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 the camp. Like I may, it's like yeah, like who else would know what was happening? Um, the if we take a look at the uh, um, Tosfos, uh, the uh, the Masoretz tells us to look at Tosfos on Chafayim and Beis. Um, and uh, clearly there's some point there, and maybe that has to do with the how late. And how early it has to be, um, right? That might be right. Shulo uh, and then we have that note to look at Tosus and Chafayim and Beis. Interesting, by the way. Before we, uh, so it's it, it's 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 it, it, probably she was lighting too close to to Shkia, and there should be that buffer period. Which, again, since we're just learning, you know, on a not on a a superficial level, but we could say probably this aligns to the way people are supposed to light now, 18 minutes before, 20 minutes before. That seems to be proper. Uh, what's too early would be interesting to know. I know that in halacha, I, I happen to know, the plag mincha is considered, as you can light after plag. Lighting before plag is too early. You're not, you're not yotze if you light before plag. Um, what's considered too late? Now, would you blame someone like like uh, he the mitzvah if you light it two minutes before shkia, right? Many people I think do, right? Well, we do light the candles. Okay, I'm I'm ready. So, shalom yaktim. You might not be yotze the mitzvah at all if you light before plug. But if you light it late, obviously we don't want you lighting it once the sun goes down. Um, 
if you assume that's the evening and that's a suffix, a daraisa, suffix, you're doing an isra daraisa, you're not going to do that. But maybe, yeah, so maybe living maybe, on the edge every week. Living <laughs> on the edge is wrong too. In other right. words, that's what it's saying. Shlo yaktam shlo yacher. Now, does that mean you riotze? Uh, right? Again, that's what I'm saying. Yaktam sounds like maybe, or maybe you are yotze if you light it that early. Now, there could be people that do it in a slapdash way. Either they're, they're, they say, let me just do it now to get it out of the way. Um, and they do it early. Do they need to light Shabbos candles again if you light uh, before? Um, I get the sense from Rashi that you do, but I don't think that the person who lights late hasn't fulfilled his mitzvah. I'm just, you know, I'm just pointing that out that there's a, a, a an anomaly. Shalayaktim, you probably aren't Yodze. Shalayachir, we say, you know what, you really were playing very close with being Machal Shabbos, but we're not going to say you didn't fulfill the mitzvah. In other words, one of the um, things that it's in Shulchan Aruch that we we talked about, uh, we didn't talk about, but it was on the screen yesterday, was the idea of if, if you miss your lighting, that you need to get a knas, right? That you, you have to light one more candle if you miss one week. You know what I'm talking about. So would you be considered poshea that you didn't light properly? I don't think so. One last thing before, uh, you know, just to, uh, I'd like to see something on this, but just the, we have here on the side, we have the Rashi and Chumash on that Pusik. Um So Rashi actually at, deals with that Pusik Lo Yomish. And he says, Lo Yomish HaKadosh Baruch Hu Esamud Anan, Yomam Vamud Eish Laila. So first of all, Rashi says, it's not that the cloud has a mind of its own. God did not move it away. God did not move the Amud Anan, Yomam Mud Eish Laila. But the fact that that Pusik needs to be emphasized tells you, Magid Shamud Anan, Mashum Mud Eish, Mud Eish, Mashum Amud Anan. Shachul Eish Kazeh, Olazeh. Before this was gone, the other one had arisen. Very interesting that Rashi felt that was Pashup Shat and Pusik, right? Because that's what Rashi does. Rashi takes the Chazalin that are very close, to, well, if not Pashup Shat, but very close to understanding the Pshat. And therefore, this, this was not just a something that was out there. This was more actually the way it, it occurred. It's not just some sort of drash. Still, okay. So again, I think we've uh, done a decent job on, on, on as far as that goes. Um, so again, looking at the Ritva here, uh, we see the Ritva says, Pirsh Kodim Tchivas Ashkia, Bocha Shemesh Baola, Meshuloya Acher Maod Lacher Ashkia, Umitzvasa Shiyadak Meod Lacher Ashkia. So looking at the Ritva, the Ritva says, Maacher means don't light too much after Shkia. Now this this really causes us to a shake up in what uh the cause could he be talking about lighting uh, Shabbos candles after Shkia? That would seem to be that would seem to be halakhically difficult. Although maybe again he has a different interpretation of what Shkia means. From the footnotes on the Ritva from this edition, we see that what we're talking about is actually lighting the Hanukkah lights. And then maybe the Ritva was learning this whole Gemara, including about what Rabbi Yosef and his wife and the whole connection to the Amuda Eish was really about Hanukkah, not about Shabbos. Um, that's... So she was lighting the, the Hanukkah candles for the family and he wasn't? Yeah. And, 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 he, and, and again, the, the footnotes here tell us to look in the Me'iri and and the Magan Mishnah. So, 
So looking at the Meiri now uh, that we had looked at the other day, let's read these two paragraphs. And he says, Ne'er Shabbos ain't roi la'achra ad shashkiyos hachama. Don't light Shabbos candles right by shkiyos. Before the sun is going down, tizrach ne'ro shalayla. And again, you know, this is obviously the language about uh, the Amura Eish, the Amura Nan. The sun is going down. Make sure that you've got your nair going already. And then the Miri says, this, you can't say it's a proof, but the beautiful Pusik, lo yomish, so again, he doesn't say the idea about Plaga Mincha. He just says it shouldn't be too early. It should be a little bit before. What's a little bit? Maybe 20 minutes. I don't know. Now here comes the, the pshat that, that the Ritvo might be saying. And that's what we're talking about. So the Yesh Mepharshim actually uh, learns this all about Hanukkah. And you're right, Sheila, it would mean that she was the one that was lighting in the house. Now, why would she be the one lighting? Um, well, Rabbi Yosef, we know, became blind at the end of his life. So that could be the reason why, uh, that could be the reason why that uh, she was the one that was lighting. So that's really a great, um, you know, that's an example of trying to, again, you know, every time you learn, you it's a, it's a little bit of a journey. And look what our journey was. We didn't have sufficient information. I said, let's go to old reliable. Let's go to the Ritva. He's the most reliable Rishon if you only have one, right? Sort of, I mean, uh, short to the point. And then the Ritva surprised us. And the only way the Ritva seemed to, 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 the way we could digest it was by now incorporating this whole maverick interpretation in the Gemara that, that we're really talking about Rabbi Yosef's wife lighting Hanukkah Licht. And now that becomes the metaphor uh, the metaphor for Hanukkah becomes the Amud Ha'esh, um, which <laughs> that's great. <laughs> In other words, the 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 isn't that a now it's really beautiful. I think, especially if you you know you take Hirsch's um, interpretation. You know, Hirsch and Chorav, Rav Hirsch talks about how these these holidays coming up, Hanukkah and Purim, are very much the goalless holidays. You know, even though they happen technically, there were Jews living in Eretz Yisrael and. Uh, there was obviously a base of mixers being built, but it's clearly we've we've embraced it as very big messages to us in Golis. What's the Hanukkah light a symbol of? It's a symbol of the Amud Ha'esh Lelechas Baham Laila. It allows us to to proceed, to develop, to continue, even in the darkness of Golis. Lelechas uh, Baham Laila. And once again, we have this idea that that Hakadosh Baruch Hu never lets that go away. And in that sense, the the the, the you know lighting the Hanukkah licht is sort of like a very you can connect it back to to God's uh, incredible uh, love for us and guiding us. So again, I, I think there is it's very suggestive. 
about uh, uh, if you take this approach into the Gemara, which I and I, I might have I probably have seen it before, but it's great rediscovering it again. Let's do one last thing and then we'll stop. Amar Rava Derochem Rabbanon Havilei Bonen Rabbanon. If you love Rabbanon, um, you feel for them. That's Rachima is Aramaic for loving. Rashi says. So, if you love Tamid Chachamim, you'll have children. Again, Rav Huna says right, that that's what will happen. You love that your children will become Tamid Chachamim. Um, Demokir Rabbanon. Now, Mokir seems to be, I guess, uh, is it more, is it less, uh, giving a certain sense of yakar, of respecting and really appreciating them? Havile chas napsa rabbanon. That means that you're, we talked about this before, you have your, your daughters married to Amir Chachamim. Didochil mi rabbanon. If you have fear of Tamir Chachamim, he will become like a Talmud which is interesting. If he's not really able to become a Talmud Rashi says, I mean, you can't, uh, you can't get blood from a stone, right? Even, but if he doesn't really do the work, right? People will listen to him as if he is a Talmud Chacham. So this is really interesting that it, it, it sounds like we're going up in levels, right, Sheila? It sounds like the, the first level is, oh, I love Talmud Chachamim. Okay, your kids will be. But now, how about your son-in-law, right? That's even better than your kids, it sounds like. Because right? that's a mokir Rabbanan. You don't just love them. You you give them so much respect. You You, you feel that they're greater than you, right? And then you have people that actually fear them. It's not just that you outwardly give them respect, you have fear for them. Now, Sheila, you're probably looking at this as I am and saying, oh, somebody's changing stuff. This Aleph and Bays, you know, is the Vilna Gon. And you can know the Vilna Gon is not happy. You already know the Vilna Gon is not happy with that Girsa. Let's quickly take a look at the Vilna Gons who has, who has changed the Girsa. Let's take a look quickly at that change. Have I missed it? Let's look at that that change that the Vilna Gon makes. And scooping the page and finding the Vilna Gon is a problem here, not, but it should be right here. Um, well, I can't find Oh, here it is. Look what the Vilna Gon does here. Second level is Dochil Mirabonan. And then Mokir Rabbanon. In other words, Hilnagon switches the, the order. Um, Dochil and Mokir are, have switched roles. Mokir, he feels, is a greater level, it sounds like, because, you know, uh, I guess the Hilnagon assumed fearing Rabbanon doesn't necessarily mean that you really appreciate them and what they're about. But if you appreciate them and you always give harocha, that's the type of thing that can actually change you internally and make you become something. Fear, it sounds like the Vilna Gon didn't think that was the factor. 
yeah, you know, fear is important. And it's interesting that, that loving them is sort of less than all of that. Um, I know you have to go, but how do you understand that? How do you understand how loving them is the, is sort of the weakest? <laughs> it's like, it's a nice thing, but it's not as great as respecting them and fearing them. I guess, how would you understand that? Loving them is sort of like, okay, it's pretty good. Your kids are going to be Tamil but you're not going to become a Tamil Chalm yourself. How would you understand that? I know you have to leave, so it's probably not fair, right? But um, yeah, it, it could be that, you know, it could be loving is, 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 is again, uh, an appreciation, but not necessarily, I want to be that. I want to make that into my life. I really, uh, I love it in the sense that, that but it's not, it, I didn't really internalize it in that way. I mean, that, maybe rochim, that's what rochim means. It's not, it's not internalization. It's, you know, uh, somewhat more than amusing, but it's not that much more than that in terms of really changing your life. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.